Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. And I have a another host, gosh, let me say that again, another guest to join us today. And his name is Eric, is it CP? Sepe. Sepe. It's Italian, right? Well, half, yeah, half of the people in my family pronounce it CP. <laughs> it just, it really, you know, and I Eric, always say, Eric is I how you pronounce it, just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> And Eric is actually one of my tutors. He does SAT and ACT prep. Uh, he is he does it virtually because he's not here in Atlanta, Georgia, but he has a lot of experience. Tell us a little bit, um, Eric, about what, how long have you been doing this? I know you're a tutor of SAT, ACT prep and other stuff too, right? Other kinds of yeah, crazy tests. Yeah, also the grad <laughs> level test. Tell us about why you became uh, an SAT, ACT in a few minutes, like two, three minutes. <laughs> okay, long story short, yes. My uh, work study job when I was going to Columbia University was tutoring and I was tutoring students from anywhere from first to 12th grade, just whatever they brought me from school. And I enjoyed it. I never thought of doing it for a living. Uh, Then several years later, I was at the age where my friends were starting to study for grad level standardized tests, GMAT, LSAT, GRE. And so I helped them out with that because I had always been good at the standardized test. And I was just doing it for fun, you know, out of friendship. Wasn't, again, wasn't thinking about making a living doing it. But I mean, I just was fortunate that I got sent to a school where starting in third grade, they gave us a standardized test every month. So they were kind of preparing me for this inadvertently. And we had a friend of the family also who had a PhD in math and had tutored me in math starting at an early age. So, I mean, I had a leg up on these things. And uh, you know, I had, had a couple of different kind of careers and I, uh, ended up being a general manager of a big comedy club in New York. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great job, hard work, but a lot of benefits to it. That place closed. I went to another comedy club, which didn't attract the same level of clientele. And now I was having to deal with a lot of drunks. And the night that a drunk guy rushed the stage because he didn't like what the comic said to his girlfriend, I knew I had to find another way to make a living. And I remembered how much I enjoyed being tutored as a kid and then tutoring my friends and, and you know, and the tutoring at Columbia. So I applied to a uh, major test prep company and uh, started working there part time and uh, 
then ended up asking them if I could switch to full time because I was still managing a comedy club. But I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. And they asked me, why would you want to give up a job managing a comedy club? And I told them, I'm tired of dealing with drunk people. If you start serving drinks during my classes, I'm not going to want to work here either. But they assured me that they were not applying for a liquor license anytime in the near future. And I've been doing it ever since. And I still really enjoy it. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. And you've been doing it how long now? Uh, steadily now for, uh, what is it, 22 years. Wow. And I know you've worked for other companies that are big named. We won't mention them, but big name uh, right, ACT, right. ACT companies. So yeah. right, <laughs> like know, a contestant uh, on a game show. I work for a major airline. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share some of your strengths as a tutor and what those have revealed when it has come to helping kids? And, and let's talk about the SAT ACT, because that's a different bird all in itself regarding you know, versus, let's say, regular tutoring? Yeah, well, again, you know, there's just, there are uh, certain approaches that work well for scholastic tests, and there are very different approaches and strategies that you need for standardized tests. And as far as being a tutor is concerned, one of the most important attributes of a tutor is being able to explain the same thing five different ways so that one of them will stick. And that's really, you know, a lot of it because there's only so much you can get from books. And no matter how good the explanations in a book are, they're never going to be completely one size fits all. And a big part of this is using analogies to explain things, trying to get to know a student and get to know what a student is familiar with, even, you know, as far as pop culture is concerned to a certain extent. And then trying to use analogies to explain things. And uh, this all boils down to relating to people. And, and that's just a big part of it, you know? It happens every once in a while, but you know, that, you know, I've just seen it happen at these companies where a teacher just be like, I, I just, I'm not communicating with the student. I'm just not getting through, let's switch. And sometimes on the student's end, you know, just this, this teacher, is just not on the same wavelength as I am. So sometimes it is a little bit a matter of personality, but uh, try to just be as, uh, as relatable as possible. And just, you know, and I just naturally am interested in a wide range of things. So I can usually find some common ground with somebody, even if they are of a younger generation than I am. That's cool. And you've got that, that comedy stuff that in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comedy can break the ice, definitely. Yeah, and you've done and some that's memorable. another thing. I did, you know, just for my own edification, not planning on making a career out of it, but I did years of improv and musical improv, and I still do storytelling. And I mean, a lot of life is just storytelling. But I know improv makes people faster on their feet, definitely. And being able to come up with different explanations, I think part of it, uh, has improved because of that. And storytelling is a little bit of a misnomer because so much of what you learn in storytelling is editing. And this mm -hmm. is what students have to do on application essays. They've got to get their whole life story onto one or two pages. All right. You no, know? and you can't start. <laughs> I was born in a log cabin, and you know, you've got to get to the heart of the matter as quickly as possible. 
In other words, what they say is anybody can tell a half hour story. Try telling that story in five or six minutes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. So and, and what when, Hemingway once said, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> a special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. We know how COVID changed the world. Parents have always worried about the summer slide, but now children will be battling the COVID slide this year as well. Dynamis Learning Academy will help close gaps in writing, math, and reading through tutoring and special workshops. At the end of the day, teachers can't do everything, but as a parent, you can reach out to us to help your child soar. Contact Dynamis Learning Academy at 770-282-9931 or go to our website at dynamislearningacademy.com. When tutoring, what are one or two weaknesses that you see most kids have when it comes to taking the SAT and ACT? Because you've done so many kids, I'm sure you have, you yeah, have uh, like one or two you can narrow in on. I, I think maybe the biggest one, the most common one, is people approaching a standardized test the same way as they would a scholastic test. Again, they require different approaches so often, even though they're testing a lot of the same content, they're testing it in very different ways. And no aspersions meant to high school teachers, but most of them can't create questions as well as the standardized test makers do, because the standardized test makers do this solely as their profession, and they're trained to do it so much more than your average high school teacher is. And so the questions are just worded, you know, and it may be a more tricky way, but, and sometimes it seems as if they're trying to be vague, but not outright ambiguous, you know, but a lot of it is, is just, re, you know, I've heard, let's put it this way. I've had many students say, when they start looking at standardized test questions, these people write with an accent. <laughs> But I mean, if you've done standardized test prep, you know what that means. It's a very specific style of writing that is not employed by your most of your high school teachers, even college teachers, for that matter, when students get to the grad level and want to take those tests. So I, the biggest misconception out there is, is that the standardized tests are not that much different from a test that they've seen in school already. You know, more specifically about the content, in a way, I think what's suffering the most with our technology explosion here is writing. You know, texting is not writing. <laughs> and uh, no, nope, you know, it's not. <laughs> when if they have to write an essay with pencil and paper for a test, and they're used to just typing and editing on the fly and relying on autocorrect, they are lost. Mm -hmm. There'd be so many crossouts and erasures because they're not planning ahead. They're just writing stream of consciousness like James Joyce. I has I don't I don't think James Joyce would have scored well on the SAT or ACT. Let's put it that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because yeah, it's definitely a different language that these test makers are using. And as we were talking about earlier before we started this interview was how, you know, they're just trying to level that playing field. <laughs> yeah, and, and also sometimes it just seems like 
that students just aren't learning enough about logic in school. I, in seventh grade, our math teacher started teaching us logic. And I think that was a big benefit too. And started out just with like puzzles and games. We didn't even know we were being taught logic. But then we started to see where it was leading. And again, it's about making proper inferences. Here's some information. Now, what else is true based on this? What can you figure out based on this? And mm -hmm. something that maybe just isn't tested enough in school, but this seems to throw students, mm -hmm. you know, when they start testing, taking uh, standardized test prep. Right. So what is one strategy or solution you can share today with parents that may help their child be successful in either like reading or the math portion? Well, I mean, as far as the writing that I was talking about is concerned, there's just no substitute for getting feedback. It's not just writing for a half an hour every day, like the artist's way or something, you know, that's more for creative writing. Writing for school, for standardized tests, you need feedback. So it's not just about taking a regular writing course. It's about getting help from someone who knows what they're looking for in these tests. But as far as the multiple choice parts of these tests, the math is more concrete than the English language arts or verb. So it's the English and the verbal parts of these tests that students tend to be a lot more unsure of themselves with. And there's a technique that I've used called post-phrasing. It's the opposite of predicting. You have a verbal question in front of you, some kind of English language arts question, and the first thing you do is look at what the correct answer is and circle it. I know when I start doing this with students, they're like, what'd you do that for? You know? <laughs> but then what do I tell them? Look at, you know, the stimulus for the question. And now you write your own explanation for this question. Why do you think the right answer is right? What do you think is wrong with the wrong answers? And then compare your explanation to the explanation for that question provided in the book that you're using. And when students start getting the hang of this, they really start enjoying it. And more importantly, it makes them more confident. That they know that they picked the right answer for the right reason. You know, if X equals seven, it doesn't matter how you got there. As long as you're getting X equals seven, yeah, it doesn't matter if you took the high road, the low road, the middle road, it just doesn't matter. The quicker, the better road, actually. <laughs> you're trying to find the quickest road, exactly. Is there a downhill route, you know? Uh, but with English, very often students will pick the right answer, but it wasn't for the right reason. And then they see a similar question next time and get it wrong, and they don't understand why. Going, oh, last time I got this kind of question right. Why is it wrong this time? Because the approach used last time wasn't the best approach. It might have worked on that particular question, but isn't working for similar questions. Mm -hmm. With this post phrasing, this really gives students insight into how these questions, how these passages are put together, and how the question stems themselves. And that's also something very often students just don't read the question stem carefully enough. And they're getting things wrong, not because they misread the stimulus or the answer choices. They just didn't read the question properly to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. but, uh, just this this uh, idea of looking at the correct answer first also has the effect of breaking up the monotony of studying, breaking up routines. And this is how you keep students fresh, keep them absorbing, because if they're starting to feel kind of stale, they just are not absorbing as much.
Right. Yeah. I mean, these tests are very long. How long is the uh, SAT? It's yeah, about I mean, it's just no matter how hours. long it is, it seems longer when you're taking. <laughs> yeah. I know kids are like, ah, oh, how long is this test? You know, even though, <laughs> but the same students, will t the test seems so long, but there's not enough time for each question. Exactly. Yeah. And what do I tell students? They're like, we have a minute and a half for this question. That's not a long time. Okay, tonight, before you go to bed, when you go to brush your teeth, something I wouldn't normally recommend to do, take your phone into the bathroom with you, hit the stopwatch, and brush your teeth standing on one leg for 90 seconds and see how long 90 seconds can be. Right. <laughs> and, and that's plenty of time to do a math question now. If you look at it that way. Yeah, true. So share a quick story um, in which you use a strategy or this particular strategy while tutoring to help a student explain how, how to use it and, and that they were successful. Maybe it's a story a kid shared with you like, oh, you know, you, Mr. CPU, you, um, you showed me this and I used it and I know I got that right. Like they were all excited. <laughs> and this, this was particular to a student who was very good at the grammar parts of the uh, English language arts questions, but was struggling a lot with the reading comp. The post phrasing really helped with this student. Uh, she just seemed to be falling for all the trap answers. And, you know, and that's something else. By using this post-phrasing, it also gets students to focus more on incorrect answers. And a lot of questions just due to their nature through no fault of a student are process of elimination. That's really the only way to handle them. And you would like to be as adept at recognizing wrong answers and eliminating them as recognizing correct answers and selecting them. And to that extent, when in, in English or verbal question, when students have it narrowed down to two and they're wavering back and forth, they really should be thinking in terms of which one of these two is worse and eliminate it, not which one of these two is better and select it. Because the wrong answer that's tempting you must have its virtues or you wouldn't be tempted. Mm -hmm. The right answer has nothing wrong with it and the wrong answer has something. Yeah, I, de I definitely struggled with two, two going back and forth all the time. <laughs> but this I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard. I always narrow it down to two and pick the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us today. Gosh, that, that 20, 25 minutes just flew by. <laughs> Time flies um, when you're having fun, yes. But I know we're going to be doing a webinar as well. And, uh, it, you know, we'll probably do it maybe before this actually uh, hits in terms of an interview. But, of course, um, I'll replay that webinar. I'll send links back out on that webinar. If people are catching this podcast, let's say, later in September. And and then they're like, oh, gosh, I wish I, I'd known about the webinar. <laughs> It looks like it's going to be August 29th, and I know this season is not rolling out to September. So, um, folks, if you go to my uh, website and or you go to my Facebook page, uh, that link will be there. Or just reach out to me, and I'll be able to send it to you. And you can listen to our webinar as well, which will be longer, and it's for parents. It'll be free, but it's August 29th, so I know this won't 
go out and tell them. But again, you can get the replay linked from me. Just reach out to me at Helen at dynamistlearningacademy.com and I'll send that to you. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for your time today and, and talking to parents about SAT and ACT testing and prep. And I look forward to working with you again in this new school year. My pleasure, really, Helen. And I'm looking forward to that webinar, definitely. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. I'm going to see you guys again soon. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember, I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.